Welcome to episode 169 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from NoPro headquarters in Los Angeles. This episode, as so many others of late have been, is brought to you by our friends at Meow Wolf down in Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, which I uh, finally get to go visit this month. Very exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about that. This week on the show, we have... Anna Mavramati and Marley Delia of Shine On Collective. Uh, we talked to them after their recent pop-up of their show, Echoes in the Dark. Um, it was a very short run. It'll be coming back, is the intention, to have it come back after spooky season. Because um, let's talk about spooky season in Los Angeles in a second here. Uh, we, got, we got so much to talk to you about even before we get into the interview. But it's it's not one of those, I'm going to read the news. There's, just, there's a lot of stuff you should know that's going on. Uh, number one. Uh, applications for the Immersive Design Summit are going to open up next week. So if you listen to the show and you're into going to IDS, remember, uh, we are doubling capacity this year. Uh, We are increasing the length. It's going to be two days, which we've already announced. We've got a lot of great speakers that have been announced. We've got a whole bunch more we're about to drop uh, because one, we booked everybody and two, um, we've been holding on to it for right before applications. Um, and just so you can prepare yourself. So we haven't released the information on the tickets yet uh, in terms of how much it's going to cost, but know the following. Uh, it's twice the size and uh, last year we got a really sweet deal on rent, uh, i.e. Uh, to the tune of free. Uh, this year, not. Uh, so <laughs> just know uh, we've done everything we can to keep the price within reason. Uh, and, you know, for those who went last year, I, I think you'll, uh, you'll, you'll be present, pleasantly surprised at, uh, at what we've managed to do there for everyone. Okay. There you go. Everyone's like, it's going to be like $1,000. It's not going to be $1,000. This is an iPhone prices here. Not yet anyway. Okay. That's IDS. Uh, Faster than IDS. In November, November 10th, I will be speaking at the Denver Immersive Summit. Uh, that's going to be going on. Uh, there's, You can find that on the site. You can also check out by looking for Denver Immersive Summit on Facebook and everything else. Uh, Jenny Weinbloom. Winebloom, Lonnie Hanson, and myself are going to be the speakers there, a one-day event in Denver. And and weirdly enough, like everyone's going to be up in Denver. Um, if you're in Denver that week, uh, you should check out the Denver Film Festival because uh, Landon Zakheim is uh, programming a bunch of immersive stuff. The Hamlet Mobile will be in Denver. Naturally, the first time I'm ever in Denver, the Hamlet Mobile is there because that's just how the universe works. I live in a story. We'll talk about the story of my life uh, after the interview. <laughs> what's going on with Noah? Um, I should probably tell you guys what's going on. Anyway, uh, there's a bunch of stuff in L.A. right now. Like, I wish I could be fully present in Los Angeles at the moment. I'm not for reasons. Uh, I mean, like, mentally present and physically present. Like, both 
there's so much going on. First up, this weekend, opening, a bunch of stuff's opening up, but I want to draw your attention away from the center ring for a second and talk to you about spatial reality. It's over at the Space Gallery in Pasadena. Jesse Damiani, who is an amazing human being, has assembled, like, probably the best if not the first mixed reality art gallery exhibition and it's got everything cue this the stefan uh segment of saturday night lives we can update because it's got augmented reality paintings uh it's got uh virtual reality it's got embodied virtual reality it's got the magic leap everything it's got everything um check it out uh i haven't had time to write up a little like blurb about it so this is me telling you check out the spatial reality gallery exhibition it opens this weekend it's going to be running on the weekends it's really amazing go check it out go check it out go check it out it's a gallery thing it's free if you're curious about it uh, I'm sure there's going to be a line to play with the Magic Leap thing. Uh, stand in line. Uh, there's so much good work in there. And if um, it's just, yeah, fantastic. And they're, they've got all the best latest gear, too. So if you're a gearhead and you haven't had, like, the Vive Pro with the with the wireless adapter on, or you haven't had a Magic Leap on yet, or you've never seen augmented reality stuff on the phone uh, interacting with art that was good, like you've seen it, but it's been shitty, uh, this is not shitty. This is really cool. So go check it out and, um, you know, do what I did afterwards. Head on down to the Blind Donkey. Get yourself some fries. They do various types of uh, quasi-poutine and they have an amazing whiskey selection. So there's a lovely afternoon for you. Did I say drinking whiskey in the afternoon? I did. I did because that's what I did. And that's what I do. Um Indicade is this weekend as well. Uh, Escape from Godot is playing on October 13th. That's that's tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, uh, you can go to Indicade. Anthony talked at Indicade last night. We didn't tell you guys he was doing that because Anthony didn't tell me he was doing it. It's like we've been crazy busy and running around and not telling each other what we're doing and not telling you what we're doing, which is no good. I don't know how it went yet. Uh, I want to find out, uh, hopefully today. In between my dentist appointments. Um, <laughs> that's not even a joke. I was at Delusion last night. Uh, Delusion is has opened. Press preview was last night. Um, the review embargo lasts for like another week. So <laughs> I can't review the show for you right now. But I am going to say in social media form. This is social media, sure. There's a social media embargo in there. Um LA hasn't seen something like this before. I don't know if anyone's seen something like this before. Like it's delusion, all right, but the the on the production side of things, they've they've uh, they've pushed it up a, a whole nother level. Uh, full review coming. I got a lot of thoughts. Um, this is this is a this is a big deal, and uh, I, I'm not I'm not sparing the rod. Uh, because you know how passionate I am about this form and how passionate I am about delusion. Uh, His Crimson Queen remains one of my favorite things, period. So much fun. Um, Also have a write-up and a video about uh, the delusion VR, which still hasn't released out yet. 
Uh, we're going to get that up. Might even get up that next week ahead of ahead of the the show review. Um, I love John Braver. I love what he's doing, and uh, we're we're gonna, we're going to dive in deep somehow in the crazy patch schedule that we have. <laughs> Sit there and do a deep dive on delusion. All right, uh, creep. Uh, Kevin had our review last week. Uh, I got to go as well. So much freaking fun. Like, just absolute delight. Again, Justin and company, they've pushed themselves forward a notch. It's so exciting that, you know, it almost makes it feel like the 2017 lull we had in Los Angeles was worth it because everyone's come back roaring. And tonight, tonight, I get to go to the Theater Macabre uh, and... I have a sneaking suspicion that those boys are coming back roaring. So the big three immersive spooky season things are in full swing. And there's this, there's, there's this, there's wonderment all over the firmament here in Los Angeles. Um, another thing you should know about in LA, uh, we do have Tara O'Conn and Marissa Nielsen Pincus coming to do a workshop. They're from third rail projects. We've got that scheduled for December. Um, we have about a third of the tickets have been snapped up so far. Um, they go up in price next week. They go up in price because we're flying them out from New York. Uh, and we wanted to give everyone a chance to do it at a lower price so we could secure cheaper plane tickets. Uh, it was like, Hey, look, we sold it all. And like, we get to go and yay. And like, we don't have to like charge people more money, but you know, I get it. Um, this is the thing that Leia is doing, by the way, I should split by we, who we are. This is a Leia, uh, uh, part of the world. This is a, a three day workshop that they're going to do a three day workshop with folks from third world projects in Los Angeles. Check it out. Uh, go to Leia.design and click on the classes tab and you will uh, get all the information. And indeed, uh, if you're going to be, if you can make the time, uh, you will, you will not regret it. I did a one-day workshop uh, with Marissa. It was amazing. Changed my point of view. Also, just finally, last thing, uh, last bit of business, as it were. Just thing you should know about. Uh, our friends over at Immerse.News, they asked me to write something, and uh, I did, and I published it. And it's actually all about No Persinium. So if you know No Pro really well, you probably don't need to go read it. But if you're curious as to the origin story, I wrote the origin story over there. Because uh, writing the origin story on, on our own site would be just weird. Okay, there we go. There's all that. Let's do a Patreon update real fast. So the really good news is that the uh, the backer that we lost, that was a credit card glitch, and the backer's back. So uh, we're back in the hunt. The other good news is we got a bunch of new backers uh, in this period of time. So uh, we also have some people, you know, wander off. So, yeah. Um, but we're, we're back ahead of the game. We're just $15 away from the next goal, uh, which probably means that I'm I'm going to go activate that um, ahead of the travel because I, I need a new kit. Um, and then we're going to lay out some more goals, um, to get us kind of farther ahead because not only does this need to become a full-time job for me, like really, it really needs to, uh, we need to start being able to pay people, uh, video editors and the writers and, you know, just, you know, being, being a professional business here. Um, that'd be nice. <sighs> It'd be really nice. Anyway, um, that was not fake. I was just like, yeah, it would be. Uh, Patreon.com no slash no proscenium. Here's the folks who are making this happen this week. Geo Marcus, Mariam Troyor, Nicole Azuka, 
C.C. Kellogg, Christopher Lynn, thank you all. I appreciate it deeply. Our sustaining backers are Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Ari Herstan, Arthur Tubman, Mark Balthazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Thank you all. And of course, thank you, Meowwolf. And now, after this really, really long, let's see how long it was. Wow. After 12 minutes. Nah, not so bad. A lot of information in there. After a 12-minute intro, here are the always lovely to talk to wonderful human beings and very, very clever, intimate, immersive makers, Shine On Collective. That's Anna Mavramati and Marley Delia. We've done this before, right? We've done an yeah. episode mm-hmm. here. Yeah. In this yeah. apartment. Okay, good. I'm not hallucinating. <laughs> it's I think... all in your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I've been here before, but like for a show, and then, yeah, no, there was a show, and then there was the episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we've started, by the way. Uh, across from me are... I am Anna Mavramati. I am one of the co-founders of Shine On Collective. And? And Marley Delia, the other co-founder of Shine On Collective. And... We're we're here because uh, you have started your new season here in Los Angeles, yeah. uh, so which is from what we can tell is an adaptation of Frankenstein. <laughs> um, which yeah. the nice thing with it, you don't have to like shave the the serial numbers off because like Frankenstein's nice in public domain. But tell yeah. us about tell us about uh, the little elevator pitch on this latest season for you guys. Yeah, so first of all, um, when we first came up with the concept, we didn't know it was the, what is it, 200th, 100th birthday of Mary Shelley Frankenstein? Or probably something? like, oh god, it's gotta be hard, more than 100. It's gotta no, be 200. It's gotta be 200. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's 200. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like the 200th birthday or anniversary or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and I think we didn't realize it, I didn't realize no. it until like months later that that was happening. So it was just this weird serendipitous thing that we started the story um, just this year. It. Just yeah, feel we called Frankenstein yeah. in the air. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we came up with uh, this. I don't know. At the beginning of the year, I think we were talking about literary texts that we could draw inspiration from, um, and. I love Frankenstein, so <laughs> we had talked about yeah. other sort of. We talked about a lot of. We talked about a lot of different yeah. ideas and sort of landed on Frankenstein. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I can't remember what the other things we talked about were about. Yeah, um, but yeah, the basic idea is that uh, this is a, a modern retelling of Frankenstein, or well, maybe not complete retelling. We're making some changes as we want to. But um, it's kind of a modern day Frankenstein and it's a little bit, um, I keep calling it psychic Frankenstein. Um, it's a little bit more focused on like maybe uh, psychological aspects of it and um, the constructs of the mind um, and less on the like creation, physical parts, Frankenstein Science versions. Part. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like another important thing that we're kind of exploring are the characters that didn't get a lot of um, that, that are kind of shallow characters in the literature, especially like the female characters. And we're, I think, we're exploring that more. Is what we're doing. Yeah, 
And we're definitely putting our own spin on things and our own interpretations of the characters and just trying to fill in the gaps to kind of make it our own in a way um, and do some different things with it or experiment yeah. with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to tackle, if you're going to tackle one of the classics, like there's almost no reason not to do something like that, right? right. You know, like a straight retelling. I mean, everyone knows the beats, right? And then right. people are just focused on like, well, are you getting this right? Are you getting that right? But yeah. once you start playing with the form and, and for folks who like don't when they walk in don't know that they're going to be mm-hmm. dealing with Frankenstein like it's kind of a fun revelation yeah you know, we had quite a few people come out and be like oh that was Frankenstein <laughs> they were yeah <laughs> and there's one other theme that we're exploring that hasn't really come to light yet so we won't say but yeah. um yeah. there is a uh I don't know. I think it's an important part of the story. Yeah, I think there are other like aspects of the character, particularly the main character, that um, we're kind of trying to highlight and bring out. And uh, maybe we'll have more reveals about him and what's going on with him. Um, and the main character, meaning um, the main character, you never really... You kind of are, but never really completely meet. You are and are not. Yeah. It's the character yeah. whose voice you keep hearing in the show. Yeah. Uh, because you kind of take... Victor Frankenstein's place in the show um, and we want to kind of have more reveals about him and reveals about his life and yeah. more information that comes down the pipeline over time and that was one of the interesting things so the, the technique for both the preview you had at Midsummer, the preview that I saw because he did two mm-hmm. distinct uh, events there and for the first show the first Echo as you're calling it um, there's this this conceit that you are inside the character's head through audio. So it's almost like a, a radio drama is playing out in your, in your head. Uh, and in this day and age of, um, you know, how popular all of the, the true crime podcasts are and right. this, this method and just that intimacy of getting a narration. Like it feels, it feels like your internal monologue is being replaced by someone else's internal monologue, and then you're inhabiting the character. Um, but you still use the reflection. You still have you still have an actor portraying Victor, mm-hmm. at least for the onboarding part of the first. So how did you how did you settle in on this conceit? Yeah, I think we we wanted to feel like almost like an out of body experience. Mm. <clears throat> so it wasn't that you were like yourself like sitting there with with Victor addressing you as as like you Noah mm-hmm. it was like you were Victor and like seeing yourself mm-hmm. there in the car like in this moment and that was kind of our our thought um, for doing that and we also wanted um, the audience to have like a place where they could ground themselves in the character because it's a hard thing I think putting yourself as a character especially for people that aren't like you know like actors or whatever that's not something that they do every day um, so, like, for Devoted, you played a character, but you had a lot of information about the character. You knew what she looked like, you knew how she talked, you knew, like, how she interacted with you because you interacted with her before you were her. But in this case, we're putting them in as Victor right from the get-go. So we wanted to give them something that they could, like, really ground, that they had heard his voice, that they see him, like, they know who this person is, so that they can really feel like they are Victor. Uh, and the idea wasn't always to do uh, the audience as Victor in that way. Um, we w- the original idea was, you know, Victor was a character you meet just like any other show that we've done, um, and he needs your help with something. Or there would be some, I think we were struggling with what is Victor's relationship to the audience mm. in 
the story of Frankenstein? Like, what is your role as audience other than, like, here's some weird stuff that's going wrong in my life. Like, why is this happening to you? Because yeah. um, we had Victor as a separate character. Um, and then uh, we, at the more we were working the idea, we sort of fell upon, like, oh, maybe we don't need Victor as a separate character. Maybe the audience just needs to enter in and, and just be him. Yeah, it felt like the most agency was going to be in the audience just being Victor, yeah. rather than like trying to find some way to tie them in. And this is one of the things that's interesting is like there's there's agency, but it's prescribed, right? This idea that you have this set of instructions because you're experiencing a memory, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's framed as a memory, and it's like then you did this, and then this happened, mm-hmm. and you get those moments. And that's just like there's something... There's like a, a kind of a relief of pressure of like, oh, I don't have to think of what it is I'm gonna do next. I don't have this burden of choice or getting it wrong or playing out, you know. And some people maybe like, you know, oh, I can affect, you know, what's gonna happen by making a different choice. But instead, it, I always find this this technique, particularly with how, how you two have played it before, like in Devoted. Um, there's there's a, a a sense of being able to get deeper under the skin of the character and start to understand and find empathy and perspective on the events because you're not trying to figure out what you should do you're playing out what happened you're mm-hmm. you're reliving it's like you're, you're living a simulation yeah there's actually an article in note pro i think um oh gosh i forget who wrote it um someone was talking about uh when they are not when they're supposed to be themselves mm-hmm. in a story they feel less immersed than when they're focusing on the character or mm-hmm. a certain character in a story um and i'm probably not summarizing it well um but yeah. i remember reading that um and that really sticking with me i mean from an audience perspective and creator perspective i know i've had that experience as audience where when i'm just myself i can take myself out of the story really easily but when i'm really even if you are yourself but you're focused on the character and the story of the character and it doesn't have to be about you it is and it isn't you know you're yeah. involved yeah. but you have um a narrative that's guiding you it it actually makes it easier to kind of go with the story or yeah, yeah yourself like, i think it's easier to like feel emotion if you kind of know like the rule if the boundaries are set for you like if you know like okay I'm physically doing this action it kind of like lets you feel what's happening uh, with the character rather than being worried well maybe this is my own experience but being mm-hmm. worried about make doing the right thing or like being helpful to the scene yeah um, which I mean that's one of the tricky things about immersive you know because you want to like give the actor the right thing so you get a great scene but sometimes you're not quite sure what that is. And that's, like, hard for the actor to give you that without it, like, ruining the scene. <laughs> right? Yeah, because you don't want... I mean, you, you want an authentic response exactly. from the performer yeah. and not just have something that, like, they're pre-programmed. So it's like, oh, it didn't matter what I do. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to get the same thing, right? That's, yeah. not, that's not an interesting dynamic. Yeah. yeah. And also I feel like even if... You give people choice. Well, maybe in our, because we're more guided, but usually when we give people choices, everybody makes the same choice. Mm. I mean, no offense to people, but. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I think there's, there's a choice that feels like the, the, right the choice, choice they want to make yeah. for the story. Or, yeah. I don't know. There's a choice that feels like the right choice in the moment that 
just kind of happens yeah, comes naturally. That. But that could also be, yeah, because we're a very guided show, so maybe we lead people <laughs> in a certain way. Entirely possible. Yeah. There's also there's a, there's a theme of uh, both in the preview and and maybe maybe intentionally or maybe by accident in in this first chapter a theme of reflection. Like reflections and, and catching yourself, I'm getting nods. So, like, and and that starts uh, in this in the car when you've got Victor there and you're sort of right. reflected as Victor. And then there's a moment towards the the end. And and just to be clear for everyone, like this is this is short. This is about twenty twenty five minutes or so. Yeah. Like yeah, it, what you just did. Yeah. Like it tightened up a bit. At, yeah. To like, 17 minutes, I think. Yeah, towards the end of the run, it felt like it was getting shorter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it yeah. didn't, which which is kind of fascinating because, like, it feels like it's getting shorter, and yet at the same time, like, you, you do have these audio tracks that are guiding you. Exactly. So yeah, it's like, it's almost like, oh, how can it get much shorter? <laughs> yeah. There's things that have to happen. <laughs> but, like, you've got, you've got that aspect. But even then, it's this, it's a pretty, it's pretty dense. 17 minutes yeah you know mm-hmm. like yeah. it it you 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 go oh that was short but like a hell of a lot happens like mm-hmm. what is it i mean you're you mentioned when we were in the parking lot uh outside the show that you're you both are really really interested in this in this one-on-one form mm-hmm. but like what what are you finding as you explore this particular form which is hard to get a lot of people through but what what's rewarding about working in this intimate way mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like we both discussed that when we see shows, that that's like the most important thing to us. Even if you're seeing a group show, like when you get that moment, that's one on one. That's what that's like the thing that feels really special and like the what I take away from the show a lot of times. Oh, sorry, <laughs> it's okay. I got a text. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, oh no. <laughs> you, lost your, you lost your train. I lost my train. What you not. take away from the show with the solo? Oh yeah. Scenes. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and I feel like we found that creating, like crafting these moments, that um, I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that being able to craft one-on-one moments, there's like something um, that makes it. Uh, we're, we're, Marley's we're, looking we're, to Anna we're, like, yeah, save me. Like, well, it's just easier to make one-on-one moments because that's not necessarily mm. true. Because right. I feel like sometimes it's more challenging right. um, because there's so much intimacy and because you have to like hold one person's attention mm. for so long. And also, I feel like um, sometimes it can feel a little overwhelming to go to, to a show by yourself. Um, for that long um, so creating different moments in it so it's not just an actor intensely talking to you for 20 minutes because that is, is going to feel overwhelming yeah um, for one yeah. person yeah um, there's there's something there's something of the roller coaster to this like I remember when I kind of walked out and I was talking to you both and saying like you know there's this the moment like like the little you know, there's a little moment for the end of kind of going up before you like hit the final hill, and and there's there's something to this 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 notion of crafting a journey for one person mm-hmm. and how tailored you can make it. Yeah, I think too because we like one on one so much, um, we put a lot of love into it. Like I have like what you're saying, it's not easier, but we 
we look for what makes those things feel special yeah. and what different things you can feel throughout it and what draws you in. Um, this could be coming from the fact that I kind of got into the whole immersive scene from the horror perspective, but to me, part of the experience too is something about the intimacy and the intensity of the one-on-one. Like, mm-hmm. and Grant, we don't even do like, you know, super traditionally spooky, scary kind of things. We do kind of more very emotionally driven things, but um, there's something about still the level of intensity and the vulnerability um, in a one-on-one that can come out. And, the, and it's interesting to explore the different feelings or the different things that a one-on-one can do and there is something about when you stage something for one person and how involved the audience is and how focused is on that person is really special which is really different feeling when you do more of a group dynamic which can still also be special in its own way but um there's something that just yeah it's really intimate that i think we're really drawn to and, and we always switch off like when we're working with the actors like someone will watch and then someone will like kind of play audience in the scene and see what your inclinations are you know in that moment um to kind of try to feel like well if i'm audience like am i buying this you know am i feeling like i'm part of this am i feeling invested am i feeling like i'm just being led around like you know and i think um i don't know um i think that there's something about the one-on-one that draws us so much to um experimenting in that space and we come up with new ideas from doing that and working in that area all the time You've been collaborating for a few years now. Mm-hmm. How has your process changed from when you started to where you are now? I mean, has it or has it changed much That's at all? That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. Has it changed? Yeah, it's changed. I know mine has. Um, I mean, yeah. when I was first writing, trying to write immersive theater, I didn't know how to. I'm all honestly say I don't. I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. Like I thought, how much do they improvise? How much is scripted? Like how much am I supposed to script it? I remember kind of even saying like, I wrote a script, but we should maybe we should just tell the actors to improvise. Like I didn't know how much I was supposed to guide it. Um, so I know for me, I've gotten a little more comfortable saying like, these are the lines <laughs> I wrote them. <laughs> this is what we're gonna say, and this is how it's gonna be. Um, a little bit more and feeling a little bit more controlled. Um, yeah. Whereas I feel like uh, like when we did our first show was The Truth at a Fringe Festival, um, Hollywood Fringe Festival, a couple of years ago. Two and a half years ago? Yeah. 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 And I remember at that stage, I was like still kind of learning, like, how does one write an immersive show script? So if yeah. the audience yeah. cannot be scripted into it and trying to figure it out. I mean, there wasn't out. even that many immersive things happening at the time to, like, I mean, compared to now. Yeah. To yeah. Off of. But, um, and I think that we've, uh, well, the very first show we had a lot of discussion about what the show was going to be, but I feel like mm-hmm. we do that even more now in terms of not just what the show is going to be thematically, but like what like techniques we're going to use or what we're going to focus on. Like, for example, we had so much discussion about how the audience was going to fit in to the show, like we were talking about earlier with the agency, and then how they would be Victor and how that would work with the audio and like how they would... Um, know that they're Victor, like, that kind of thing. Right. More, like, logistical things that only apply to immersive. Um, And, I don't know. And also we have, like, a lot more people that we're working with now, so Mm. that's been great. Well, we've been working with the same sound designer, Kate Kohler, for Since the Truth. Yeah, she's been our sound person the whole time. She's amazing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And we have... Celia doing the props. Yeah, we've expanded. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. that's been nice. Really great, yeah. Yeah, and there is a little bit more focus on the logistics, I guess. Because um, mm-hmm. we'll, that will be part of the discussion more. Like, okay, how is this going to work? Like, the fact that... Um, I hope it's not spoiling anything to say we've got kind of two locations for this one, right? There's a car that is mentioned, and they go somewhere else. Not drive somewhere else, but they walk somewhere else. Um, so even just the logistics of, like, okay... How is this going to work? Is this something where we can stagger shows, or is this something where it's just going to probably be one show, just mm-hmm. really at a time, and the first show needs to end before the next one starts? Just uh, I feel like we've been a little bit more sensitive to like what is the logistical plan? How is this going to work? Um, I know last year with Sweet Dreams, it was like a logistical like madness um, yeah. to work out. Um, yeah, it feels okay. like with this with this particular show, you've like simplified it yes, down. Really like it's a yeah. lot simpler because yes. yeah. that one what you had like two or three like audience members at a time yeah. on well, multiple tracks kind of slipping there through there were four tracks right three of them were one-on-one tracks and yeah. then one of them had four audience members so it was seven audience members at a time oh that's right yeah. that's right yeah. Yeah. yeah and then three of them were like supposed to not cross paths until like the kind of finale scene so like we were staggering yeah these different kind of rotating scenes and people and then getting all the actors to kind of figure out like remember after this scene you do this twice in this room and then you got to go over here and you got to do this scene that's over here i made their spreadsheet there's a whole worked better than it had in the past (laughs) uh, yeah this one we really simplified down. Yeah, it's a lot easier. Um, <laughs> so much easier. <laughs> yeah, but I think we also have learned a lot about just like people and how they um, not really like think, but I guess so. Like, we're, I, it's mm-hmm. hard to talk about and not give away stuff about the show. Sure. Right. But um, like how they react. But. Or- yeah, not even how they react, but just, like, how to tell them to go from this place right. to this place right. without just telling them. Like, that there's a lot of different ways, and what is going to be the most clear that will still feel in the world, or right. still feel in the story. Yeah. Um, so we, I feel like we've been playing around with a lot of those different things. Yeah. Um, and... And so as we've been playing with them, we've kind of learned what's the most successful. You mentioned, like, sort of maybe, like, learning what works on people. Like, what have you, what have you learned about the audience and what they like or what they're, what they're, like, not, I don't want to say, like, not good at, but, like, where the difficulties are with communicating with them, right? What what have you learned in this, these past couple years? Right. I feel like there are a couple of different maybe categories of audience like mm. out there because mm-hmm. because there are people um and most of our like usual people are people who have gone to immersive shows they're into it yeah and, I mean, and you've got pretty short runs so like to know you got to be like yes. looking for it to like get yeah. on your tracks right? yeah right this particular one was really kind of just aimed at like that core really um and uh, they want, I mean, you know, I think that they want to be immersed and they want to be invested and they want to interact and they want to connect. I feel like a lot of people want to connect, you know, to the actor's character and to um, be invested. Um, they want a cool experience. They want something different or new or exciting and weird. Um, they want all the stuff, I guess, that I want when I go to an immersive <laughs> show. Um, and so um, there's that. And then I feel like sometimes we'll get people and... Uh, I don't know if we necessarily had them for this run, but you get like the 
the the newbies. You know, you get the person who maybe heard about this and they showed up and they're not really sure about this thing because I feel like we've interacted with audience that are like just so on the other side of the spectrum, you know, like they're a little unsure of what they're doing here um, or a little uncomfortable with some of their overwhelmed and they kind of, um, you know, like some people will will shut down a little bit. Like, they're like, oh, do they hate this? And then maybe after you talk to them and they're like, no, that was really cool. But they've just never done anything like this. So, like, you know, the actors are worrying because they're getting, like, a blank stare or someone who's, like, you know, not quite following direction. Yeah, they don't know what to do. (laughs) They don't know what they can do. Yeah. Was that something you were finding more sort of in the the fringe crowd? Or was this this even for, like, your, your, your bigger shows? Um, I'd say for both. Mm-hmm. Although we had an interesting experience going to the San Diego Fringe Festival because mm. it was like pretty much, uh, pretty much everyone who went through the show had just no idea what immersive theater was at all. And mm-hmm. you know, our show was pretty. It was in a U-Haul van, right. so it was not just like. It was pretty different. Like, yeah, you're gonna yeah. get in this van for ten minutes or however long the show is. Fifteen minutes, and we're gonna close the door. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Pitching it to people. We just parked the U-Haul. We went like, and this was last summer. Uh, we drove down to San Diego's Fringe Festival. We parked the U-Haul in a place we were allowed to park on the side of the road, and people are like, "What's going on here?" And we'd be like, "Oh, this is like a show, and we're selling tickets, so you can get in the van." And like, people would just kind of <laughs> give you this weird, like, polite smile and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> because it sounded insane. Yeah. Um, Get in our van. We'll show you the show. Yeah, you know? it's a great show. Yeah, yeah. yeah please, it's well, fun. Maybe we, can, maybe we blame Russ McCamey for that. It's like I'm not getting in a van. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's San Diego. Bad things happen if you get in a van. It is San Diego. Bad that's things true. happen if you get in a van. That's true. Right? It's San Diego. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. We did have some some great experiences there too. Like there was one woman who went in and she came out and was like, "That like changed my life." Like. I, that was incredible. You know, it's like yeah. the, the, when you get to see people experience immersive theater for the first time. Yeah. And like that, that excitement that they have afterwards. That's like yeah. That's why you do it. Yeah. yeah. I, I speaking of that in San Diego, like I did get to see that look on some people's faces, like right after going through uh, Waking La Llorona, mm-hmm. which oh, yeah. was which cool. was there, which was there that same. I mean, that was there at the same time as was as, as y'all, or just yeah. after. It was like the same summer. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. It was God because that's that's sort of sad because like because that was part of Without Walls and that sort of and that's see that's the weird thing to me that like people in San Diego aren't as as dialed in because yeah. Without Walls mm-hmm. had you know mm-hmm. yeah we like, expected is there. we expected people to know what immersive theater was because of that but maybe it's different audiences who go to the French Festival than go to. I guess. Yeah. I, I guess. I, think, so. I don't know how large Maybe. the arts community is in San Diego. But. Yeah. yeah, I think us and Capital W were the only immersive shows because Capital W, w, w took Red Flags there down there. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, that year yeah. that we were there doing Fringe, I think we were the only two immersive you were. shows. Yeah. yeah. And so and and we were both LA companies that were just like, we'll try this out. So. Yeah. Maybe. It was just the that particular scene of the Fringe Festival. Yeah. 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 But I mean, that said, like, even though I'm saying there's two different audiences and they want different things, I mean, maybe really when you think about it, that newbie audience really does want the same things when they're trying out something like this. Yeah. I mean, and if they decide they don't, you know, we always make sure that's clear they can leave. <laughs> um, no one's done that really in our shows. No. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe one. No. Really. Yeah. Um, but, um, at the end of the day, you kind of realize like, oh, maybe some of those people like, you know, who you think, oh, they're overwhelmed or we're freaking them out actually are trying this out and are like, just give it to me. (laughs) Right. Just show me the whole thing. Um, if I'm going to do this, um, and try it. So 
um, in a way, it just it does feel like yeah, that intimacy and that connection to the story. Yeah, um, I think people want to feel like important. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same people. I think it's the same thing that people want in just like their everyday lives. Like right. they want to feel right. special. They want to feel like included. You want to feel, it's like want to feel our, seen. Our basic, yeah, it's yeah. like our basic human needs, and like, <laughs> right. they get met in immersive theater. And, and yeah. I think that's like a lot of what works, and a lot of what um, is unique about one-on-ones too, because when you're, it's just you, like it's easier to feel that way. Yeah. To like feel like your needs are being met, I think. And also, some people like talking a lot, <laughs> yeah. which is fine if it's a one-on-one, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, there's either people who like to talk a lot or, you know, sometimes people who don't talk at all. You know, yeah. and everyone, and either way is fine. Like, generally, I mean, we even can't prep our actors to work with either yeah. experience. But it is funny that just different personalities come out of it. And there's, like, a different energy, it feels like, mm-hmm. when different people go through the show. I mean, the scenes might have the same outcome or the show might end the same for everyone but I feel like in some ways it's a different show because the oh. actors kind of feed off of whatever you're giving them oh massively yeah yeah. yeah. no that that that, psych, that feedback loop is, is pretty intense there's also something you know the, the you've been playing with the audio forms from the beginning because with The Truth you had mm-hmm. you had a set up as like a walking tour podcast mm-hmm. thing and then and now and and there's something to be able to feed people instructions and yeah. and give them guidance on what to do and it's just there's again it's like it's it's nice to give folks the permission and the guidelines like it's yeah. it is on rails but but for folks who haven't experienced something like this at all it it feels to me like it's one of the, the better ways maybe even yeah. like the perfect way to introduce someone to something yeah. immersive is to like right. I want to stick some headphones on you and you're going to you, we're going to guide you along. We're going to let you know. Right, and then yeah, take the yeah. training wheels off at some point and like, yeah, give, exactly. give you room to it. Right. Yeah, and I feel like we're, maybe we're drawn to the audio because, well, that's how we met, you know, is through oh, singing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We just seem to, like, yeah, always we're very auditory. Yeah. <laughs> we're very auditory yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and when we're working with Kate, when we have someone yeah, who's like so easy, mixing yeah. our sound and playing music to it and being able to do the cool things that she's able to do and turn around really quickly, I mean, it's nice to be able to take advantage of that too. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, sound in these shows is like a really special thing. It's yeah. like, you know, I mean, you can't even gauge all the senses, right? You're immersed. So, um, I mean, that's definitely something that we we have on our side, so... What's next in the cycle here? Is it a, a remount of the first Echo, or is it is it going on further in the series? Yeah, I think we're going to do a remount of this one. And we have some other shows in the planning stage that, yeah. Yeah, we'll probably remount the show later this year mm-hmm. um, and start new chapters up next year okay. introduce yeah. some new stuff and we've been in some talks about what's coming next and um, there might be like you know we really like the idea too of like maybe some chapters focusing really on certain characters like there was mm. a particular character that was really the focal point of of this one Victor's relationship to her and then um, looking at maybe some of the other characters or other aspects of his life in the different chapters and revealing different things. Yeah, and they'll be like connected, but also um, standalone. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's that's something that I feel is is kind of critical going forward because like you know, the stuff that's serialized is a lot of fun, but it definitely creates an anxiety for people of like, well, I don't, how do I jump in? Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. and and yet this this form, this the the serialized form or or the sort of the chapter model, like if they aren't dependent on each other. It makes me think of when they did Hamlet Mobile. Like you could mm-hmm. watch those in any order, oh, and yeah. it created the whole. And there was yeah. like six or seven or eight chapters. Yeah, right. And you know, depending on which order you you went into it, it created a, you know, it created a different kind of vibe to it. You know, there was yeah. definitely one that was like the culmination. Right. But other than like you know, the 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 big finale. Other than like you know, n- making sure you saw that last, you could tackle it in any order, and it just. It, each piece just informed the other right. going on. And it's funny because, like, no one's really... Anyone who's been working in the serialized form, or, you know, they haven't been experimenting with that as an idea. Like, everyone's gone kind of linear. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just just in this sort of business model, it feels like there's something to this idea. Like, oh, if everything's standalone and just ties together, and, like, oh, I've got this bigger picture. Mm-hmm. You know, one is good, two together is even better. You know, oh, three, four, five. Oh, great, now I'm getting this much more complicated picture. Yeah, you know? yeah. I feel like a lot of our storytelling style with Shine Collective has become like less and less linear too. So that's mm. part of maybe yeah, what makes us ease into this model, even for doing the the cha- chapters and standalones, because we we're doing a lot of. I mean, some of it can have the logistical plans. Like if you're doing a lot of rotating scenes and stuff, it's hard to keep it linear in long, bigger immersive shows. Um, but it's also, um, uh, I feel like for this format. It really, um, it's not even just that it doesn't necessarily need to be linear. Linear, it could be, but um, when I think of other shows I've seen, like like even some of the big ones, like Sleep No More or something, um, like it does feel like it doesn't need to be when you're immersed in it. Like it's more natural to kind of pick up on cues. It's almost like if you walk into some dramatic thing that's happening in the real world, you're not yeah. going to get it laid out for you linearly. So it actually makes more sense or feels more natural to us. Feels more to, immediate. Yeah. 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 To yeah. be picking up on things as you go and kind of start yeah. seeing things out of order. And I think also because a lot of what we're doing, well, we've done in the past and we're doing with this show too, is like a lot of like exploring memories and like in, and so approaching it from that way kind of makes more sense logically. Right. You know? I mean, cause memories, I mean, if you think about it, memories aren't linear. Sure, you can like think about them in a linear way, right. but they're but they're not. Yeah, they're scattered and they connect yeah. to other memories that happened yeah. at some way, totally different time, and um, yeah, yeah, and our thoughts are kind of more scattered, so it, it felt more natural for the storytelling. Well, and that remains one of the more s- stunning narrative. I don't want to say tricks, but why not? Tricks that I've seen from anyone over the past few years, which was in Devoted, where the second chapter of that, you know, kind of replayed itself out in the third chapter, but for you, it's from a different perspective. So something that you lived through, suddenly you're witnessing, and yet at the same time, because it's complete, people could have, like, not seen that second chapter, and it still would have, the story would have been the story, would have driven and would have hit hit the beats that it need to hit but it just adds this layer of depth by you knowing more right. so yeah. it's it's exciting to see you two return to like that structure and that the ability mm-hmm. to play in that space yeah, yeah i think there's some fear of like doing the same thing you already did 
I think going back to it, that's I feel like maybe that was some fear for us of doing it. But now that we're doing it, it feels like so different. Well, it feels. Yeah. I mean, it's almost yeah. like you know. Okay, so you're using a Dutch camera shot. You know. Yeah, like, exactly. Fine. It's like, you know, like yeah, a, you like a Dutch like, angle. Like that's that's great. You yeah, know? it's like if you if you've done something and you know it worked, why wouldn't you do it again in a different context? Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Or, or find find how much depth there is to, to yeah, play. And ex- you know? Yeah, exactly. Explore other ways you can use that same technique and can you improve it. Yeah. 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 Now, another thing that was in the parking lot, like I, we've talked a lot about the, the intimate stuff, but like, what would what would happen if like money got dropped on you too? Like, like let's just play a game. Because I won the lottery this week. No, I wish. I wish. <laughs> Boy, I wish. Uh, for so many reasons, I wish. <laughs> anyway, if anyone's got lucky numbers, uh, it's <laughs> Noah at nopersame.com. Noah is uh, putting out <laughs> recording that he'll give us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would. I would. So let's play a game. So someone gives you, let's be modest with it. Someone gives you like $50,000 or even better, gives you $100,000 so like you guys can kind of ankle from work for a minute, right? Take a nice long vacation at work. What would you do? <laughs> What would you do? And I don't mean like run off and just go to like a year's, a year's worth of acapella competitions because I know that maybe that would happen. But, you know, and not just like, you know, buy lifetime supplies at cat cafes. So like, you got, it's a grant. So you gotta, you gotta right, use right. it. You gotta, and are there any, are there any ambitions that you have that, you know, to, to go large or do you want to stay small? Yeah, that's a good question. We've talked about the fantasy mm-hmm. yeah. of being able to do a permanent installment somehow. Um, if we had, like, if we could find, like, if there's a location and yeah. a and, like, sustainable system somehow to do that. And creating a space where it's, like, uh, not just us two, that we could open it to other creators. And, yeah. like, I mean, I'm sure that's everyone's dreams. Right. Like, right. the L.A., like, Hub. Yeah. But I think, like, for us personally, yeah, having something permanent that would uh, be the right space so that we could still have intimate shows, but that we could put a lot more people through them. Somehow. Quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep it in, in some way. Keep it running. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe part of a, maybe part of a bigger complex. That'd be nice. Yeah. 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 So that was definitely <laughs> something um, we've thought about. Um, so if someone's doing that in LA, yeah, yeah. please call We're in. Us. We're down. Yeah. <laughs> or if you know Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, if you've got borderline yeah. money, just, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, the PayPal's open. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Just pop it in there. Yeah, so. totally. And um, I think uh, we still, I, I feel like we're so drawn to the one-on-ones that even if we had something that could have more people start in at a time, if there was some way we could just split people up. Um, that mm. would still be a big a big thing for us, or at least smaller. We like the, the smaller interactions still, yeah. um, but being able yeah. to do that in a larger scale way could be an interesting place to explore. I mean, we'd probably have to... Probably learn, have to learn a lot to you know yeah. like yeah. find out how that would work and plan. There'd be a lot of planning probably involved, but um, you know stuff like that would be awesome. Um, I mentioned Sleep No More, but it's mentioned the other big you know immersive New York show mm-hmm. that everyone loves. Then she fell. I feel like does that very well. Like yeah. they have the big group yeah. and then they have the big group dynamic moments, but they still give you a lot of these intimate one on one like scenes and moments. Especially if the two other people who are supposed to be on your track don't show up. 
Yeah. And she happened to me, and I went and through a she lot. Fell? Yeah, so oh I went through most of it by myself. Oh my god! It was. They had no shows. Oh. Two two no shows, and I ended up on that track. Lucky. <laughs> it'll never happen again. Yeah. <laughs> Weird it would be if like there was just like no one on one of the tracks. Like, what would they do? Like, yeah, yeah that's that's rare. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I don't I'll, know. Have, I'll have to ask them. That's sometime. probably happened to them. Yeah, may have. we've yeah. had it happen in our shows before. I mean, well, yeah, but. but I mean, we're not we're not that <laughs> you fell, but yeah. I mean, we're definitely working at a smaller scale. But yeah, I wonder what happens in a what happens in no, a show. I, I feel like when it did happen with us, you just know the yeah. logistics so much it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of know like I'd be doing this thing at this point, and then. You just kind of know. You get the yeah, audio yeah. track of everything else. It's like, oh, listen, 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 okay, <laughs> yeah, here's the sound exactly. cue. Yeah. 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 Right. It's not too hard. You get a break. Yeah, you <laughs> get a break. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, so if you are, are interested in the remount, how do they hunt you down? Well, you can go to our website, shineoncollective.com, or our Facebook. What's our Facebook? Oh, shoot. I think it's, it's Facebook.com slash... I think it's the Shine On Collective because someone had just taken Shine On Collective. Just put Shine On Collective in the search, you'll find us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And um, join our email list. We, so for this last show, we sent out to our email list first and it sold out in less than 24 hours. So we never actually published public tickets because they were sold out. So we'll be sending out, we'll probably, I don't know, we don't have a plan yet, but we'll, yeah, email list is the best bet. That's what we did the list. first time. Yes. Um, <laughs> if we do decide to just post this one publicly, we'll still let the email list know right away. So, like, yes. email list, email list. It's <laughs> really the best. Yeah, 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 plug in that email list because that's really when we're letting people know and, like, maybe even giving them warning, like, ahead of time, like, this is when they're going to go up and, like, trying to notify them. Yeah. So it's yeah. good. All right, well... We'll do this again sometime. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, it won't take us two years because I think it's been two years. <laughs> but we'll do this again. So. Sounds cool. good. Right. Once again, I want to thank Anna Mavramati and Marley Delia for being our guests on the show today. And you can find them at shineoncollective.com. And I believe it's Shine On Shows on the social media. Hey. Hi. It's been a minute. It's been uh, 53 minutes (laughs) since this podcast started, which, you know. um, So I guess actually not that much time. Anyway, look. October is always busy. And then uh, I'm I'm in a funky headspace. and a part of me doesn't even want to talk about this, uh, but since I've been like extra grouchy lately, I think people should know. Um, my mom had a fall um, like last week. Um, it means that I'm going to spend a bit more time up in the Bay Area because um, that's where she is and she lives by herself. And so uh, you got to do things um, when that happens. Uh, I mean, you could choose not to. But what kind of person are you if you make that choice? Um, at least if you have a good relationship with your parents. If you don't, I I understand. Um, uh, well, you could say I, I half understand if you catch my drift. Um, 
if you can't catch my drift, sorry, I'm not going to explain. Um, <laughs> there's there, there's an escape room puzzle for you. <laughs> Noah's family situation. Um, so I uh, I'm not fully mentally here all the time, um, and I'm doing what I can, and we're pushing forward, and I'm really. The reason why I'm mentioning this is I really want to thank the team for stepping up in a big way. Uh, you know, it, it sort of worked out that Catherine had a bunch of podcasts ready to go. Um, and everyone on the review team is is running out there and doing stuff left and right. Things still need to be edited. Things need to be put up. The North American goes up. The LA one goes up. Like, there's still, there's still a mountain of work. I'm just not putting the same level of care into it that I'd like to because... Um, you know, there's the day job and there's the family obligations. So, um, the family obligations are never going away. The day job might one day or, or might step back into a consulting thing. Um, hopefully that's how it goes. There's a lot of great stuff that's going on for this field as a whole. Like I want us to feel super confident about it. I mean, granted, it's in the context of of a world that is going off the rails. Uh, maybe you've noticed the the UN report that came out this week that basically gave us, you know, fifteen years as a species. Um, at least, let me no, not as a species. Let me rephrase that: as a civilization, the species will carry on. This civilization, maybe not so much. So there's definitely a part of me that goes like, "Hey, are we?" Are we making fiddles? <laughs> Is that what we're doing? But I don't think we are. And I believe, and part of this is by choice, and a bigger chunk of it is by evidence. I believe that the work that is being done by the people who make immersive in all its forms is an essential part of the puzzle of how we save ourselves as a people, as a human people. I believe that this form has a bias towards empathy. It's not an empathy machine. You don't, smack it on your head and suddenly care more about people. You can see a lot of the people who, who even said that a few years ago, it didn't seem to work for them uh, or on them. I, um, I think it's not the tools, but the bias the tools have towards connecting and the level beyond connecting. Um, Part of this is me freeform thinking like how I'm going to do a speech. I got a couple of speeches coming up and I'm like, I don't, I don't have time to write them yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm sniffing around this idea about the internet connected us and then asked, now what? You're all connected. Now what? And the first answer was the terrible twos. It was, well, fuck you. Cause I don't know who you are and here's how I feel about things and fuck your feelings. Um, and that's not the right answer. So we have to find a way 
to communicate that takes in other people's points of view, that takes in where they're coming from, that teaches us how to do that. And I think, and I feel, and I've seen that when this work is done at its highest level, it's asking those kinds of questions. It's moving in that direction because for something to feel real, to be real, it has to connect at a level deeper than just, well, we're both here. We're both here, but are we present? It has to do more than pay lip service to the idea of presence. It has to prepare the ground so that you can arrive and hopefully that you can arrive together with others so that we can arrive together. Still something dirty about that. Anyway, wow, this turned into an old-fashioned Noah rant. So, um, good. I was worried those weren't in me anymore. Sorry for the long pause. Um, I'm getting emotional. You make this possible. You give me what I need to keep up the fight and to look beyond whatever's going on day in, day out, week in, week out. And there, there was a, it was a shitty week on a lot of levels. And, and, and a few of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and I want you to know you power me through it with the work you make, with the attention you give, with the passion you have. And without you, I wouldn't be complete. So thanks. All right, I'm going to go now. Um, the music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers are Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurstan, sorry, Ari, <laughs> Arthur Tubman, Mark Balthazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. We are, of course, brought to you in part by Meow Wolf. You can reach us at nopersinium.com. I'm Noah at nopersinium.com. We're at nopersinium on Twitter and Facebook. We're at no underscore persinium on uh, Instagram. Patreon.com slash nopersinium. Until next time, I'll see you at the show. Mm-hmm.